0: Yeah, and I think it's important as an elder queer person, and I wear that very proudly, that I do think our stories are important because I wasn't, didn't come from a place that where we had these tools. So as an elder queer person, it's, it's also not too fucking late for me to honor it now. Yeah. Right? And to go yeah. living this next however long on this plane, you know, as my authentic self, including name, you know, like, and to just do that because I understand the healing frequencies that it sends back. That sends healing back to those that couldn't, and it models for generations to come, you know? And I think those stories are really important because we have so much legislation that is, you know, out there right now that is, you know, really disruptive, that I think our stories are important.
1: Death is a vital part of life, it initiates us into change, it is inevitable. We face our fears and enter our death portals, shedding old skins and ways of being, grieving our losses and re-emerging anew. I'm Ellen Wong. I'm a storyteller and entheogenic death companion. I invite you to enter this portal of discovery with me. And together, let's break our fearful silence and uplift our stories of death and grief. So that we can all be inspired to live our lives loud. Welcome to Mom. Hello, my deathy listeners. I'm Ellen, your host on this journey through death and rebirth. And It's a beautiful time of year. It's actually my favorite time. I was just reflecting the other day, literally two days ago, as I was walking my dogs up here in the mountains, the San Jacinto Mountains, on a morning walk. And the air is starting to feel crisp and cold in the morning. And there is just this aliveness that I feel this time of year. It's not quite autumn yet, but I'm feeling the first little tendrils of autumn sort of reaching out through the wind and I'm feeling it on my skin and it feels so good. It's like this invitation to get cozy and to nestle and to whip out all the sweaters and the sweatshirts and starting to feel that spicy warmth that comes from this time of year. And this is a time that I've always connected with even as a little kid. And I'm starting to realize that there's something really beautiful about seeing the connection between this time of year and death. Because autumn is a time of harvest. It's a time of celebration of gratitude, giving thanks in preparation for the winter, in preparation for death. And so it's a celebration of everything that our Earth Mother has provided, everything that our lives have experienced and and embodied and expanded and grown into, everything we've witnessed this year, celebrating all the highs and the lows, celebrating all the joys and the sorrows celebrating everything you know it's this really beautiful time of honoring honoring ancestors honoring our origins where we came from honoring our whole journey through life that really does extend way beyond before we got into these bodies before we were born into these bodies And it extends way, way after we leave these bodies, too. And so I feel myself come alive during this time. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing Tanya Mark Oviedo, who is a dear friend of mine. They go by they, them, and they describe themselves as a two-spirit, non-binary, queer, native, indigenous person of color. They are also a person in recovery since 1989, a spiritual practitioner, medicine person, educator, and mentor. And they're also the founder of Vominos, which is a care and harm reduction practice specializing in working with people who are marginalized to us LGBTQ communities. And I had the pleasure of meeting Tanya Mark back when Tanya Mark uh, went by Tanya in 2020. And they had started to come to the moon circles that my co-facilitator, Samantha Williams and I were holding back then. Um, and this was in the midst of the pandemic. And I remember one particular moon circle when Tanya Mark, uh, shared with us afterwards that they had reunited with the child spirit of Mark, this part of themselves that had been dormant and hidden for so long. And they were in the process of reclaiming him as part of who they are. And so I also wanted to point out that when we talk about Mark in this episode, um, we use the pronoun he him, just so it's clear to all the listeners who it is that we are referring to. But Tanya Mark does go by they them pronouns our conversation centers on their death as tanya and their rebirth as tanya mark so like every episode i'd like to invite you to take a breath with me here breathing deeply in through your nose Holding it for just a moment as you feel into that expansion in your lungs and your chest. And gently sighing that breath out with gratitude to the earth. It is my pleasure to introduce Tanya Mark. Oh. Oh, this is going to be a good conversation. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh. Yeah. Is it cool to name also just naming in the energies of our queer and two spirit ancestors? That feels nice yeah. to also bring that here with us today too. I
1: love that. I love the way you named the two spirit ancestors. Um, and I actually want to kind of dive into that also during our conversation. I'm just going to start off by saying like, It's been a wild journey and an amazing journey to just be walking alongside you for the past three years. Yeah, three years. And I do remember a moment in 2020 during one of the moon circles that Sam and I were facilitating in which I think you met Mark of Tanya Mark. Like, I feel like you were able to connect to Mark, the spirit of Mark through this journey. And it was a really beautiful moment to witness you in this claiming of who you are, non-binary, this claiming of the, the two spirits that comprise you fully, Tanya Mark. and. I kind of want to just start there and just
0: <laughs> you let's just go there yeah <laughs> yeah let's, i love let's that, get into let's, that. Do it. let's do it yeah thank you thank you it's so great to be here and thank you yes um yeah i gosh thank you for naming that and it really just took me back to that moment that was such a that was one of many iterations i think um that i had had but it'd been a long time since i'd really had that kind of contact with that spirit um i do want to say that you know i do identify as a two-spirit non-binary queer native indigenous person of color so um two-spirit is something that it's kind of funny to be honest like every i was thinking about this every indigenous type of person practitioner that i've come in contact with in their own language sometimes not even in english sometimes not in spanish when they see me always ask medasus manos, give me your hands it, it happened in oaxaca it's happened all over the place wow. and i give them my hands and in their own language or in some way they'll ask are you two-spirit and wow. that's been happening even when i was a like younger person like you know going into botanicas i just don't think i had any guidance around i think i've i've always known that about myself mm. like i remember um let's take it back to the to the to the origin origin of mark um i was a kid and that name always really resonated with me and it, i was 10 so what is that uh, i was born in 1970 so what is that 1980 it was the summer mm-hmm. of 1980 you could call on a landline you could call into the party line 853-1212 you, know you <laughs> could call the time <laughs> yes and like one minute about one minute before then there was this party line where people would say hey call this number or, you know da 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 party over here it was like just random people right and i thought like i had always known that mark was an energy that was just existed inside of me so i was like oh i'm, I'm gonna go on this party line and i'm gonna be mark and so i got a number and i called and i actually identified myself as mark And I'm going to keep that person anonymous because I've never given consent to the story. But like, we literally spent a summer we fell in love. There were, uh, we wrote letters to one another. We actually ended up living in the same city. I was 10 years old. Oh my gosh. Um, And we had this wonderful, like we spent so much time on the landline because it was summertime. So I was home from school and my mom worked at the time, only 10 minutes from our home. So she let my sister and I be at home. And so I'd have these endless conversations of just like falling in love, honestly, wow. um, for the first time. And to be, it had nothing to ever do with gender or that I wasn't okay with my body. It was just an energy that I knew coexisted inside of me. Mm. And I would run out to the mail to interrupt the mail because I knew for sure, like I'd get in big trouble or at least my fear was like, how would I fucking explain that to my parents? Like we, did, I didn't grow up in a time where We had all this language, pronouns. We didn't have that back then. Mm -hmm. So I'd run out and grab the letter. And then I was so scared that they would be found. I actually had a shoebox of them. And then I actually threw them out because I actually burned them because um, I really Uh thought that if I were to ever if anyone wants to ever find it, you know, like I could have gotten in trouble, but yeah, it was very interesting because I really did fall in love. And so then it just so happened to be that they lived 10 minutes from me. So then they started to ask like, well, we should meet up. And I was like, Oh geez, this is, how am I going to work this? Yeah. Um, So I would say, Oh no, like I'm in trouble or, you know, like I can't like meet up. She'd say, let's meet up at the mini golf place. And I'd be like, Oh, I can't, you know, I'm in, I'm on restriction, (laughs) Um, but I did. She said, I would like an object of yours. This is a true story, Ellen. I went and stole one of my father's flannels that I used to wear. And I put my dad's cologne on it. I convinced my mom. We were driving to my grandmother's house and I said, Mom, I need to drop something off at a friend's house on the way to grandma's because this person also lives like in Santa Ana in the same neighborhood. I convinced my mom. I put it in a brown paper bag and I go, Mom, we're not even getting out of the car. I go, I'm just going to throw it out the window. And she goes, what? And I go, yeah, we're just on our way to grandma's. (laughs) my mother I swear to God dude we I'll never forget she's like oh okay like you know back then it was Tanya like oh god what is this kid you know what I mean so literally we drove slowly by and I threw the bag out like a delivery like newspaper delivery (laughs) that was and I was like oh my god like but really, like, you know, um, when she finally was asking to meet more in person, and I think she did, I, I'm not sure what she identified, so I'm not going to gender assume her. So when they said, you know, hey, let's meet in person, um, and I finally declined again, like um, she had brought one, they had brought one of their friends onto the phone, and that person had said, hey, I think this might be a girl that you're talking to, uh-huh. and then we short ended up like we had like a little breakup, but it was a sweet breakup. Like it never had anything to do with what they had said. I just think maybe there was this unspoken thing that perhaps we were both in this, I don't know, like this 10 year old summer of love thing and it was just came to an end. And then, um, That was that. And then it wasn't until I got sober at age 19. And then a little few more years later that a partner of mine at the time, I felt comfortable sharing that story. Mm. And she made the recommendation to she was like, oh, you should get a mark tattoo. And I was like, oh, I never thought about that, you know. And so I did. And um, then. Mark became that became kind of fetishized and I Mm -hmm. didn't have the languaging to as a queer person to articulate that and to navigate it. So it actually felt really uncomfortable. So Mm. I actually, Mark is here. It's just covered up by some of my work, um, other work. Um, Was it just the name
1: Mark? It was
0: Mark with a symbol. So there was the, um, it was the symbol that I had created with a friend of mine. Um, it was, it's really cool, but it is in here in the blue. Like It's not like I didn't cover them up. It was just more of protecting them. Mm. Like, hey, you need some, let me give you some some protection yeah, here. Yeah, like a little shield. Um, and that really, you know, I take responsibility now knowing like I didn't have the languaging to share with people that it wasn't something to be fetishized with, which, you know, it wasn't something sexual. It wasn't about gender. I did not have the tools to communicate any of that. So I really attribute all of my experiences around how I navigated that back then as just equal to the tools I had available at the time. Right? When you
1: say fetishize, what do you mean? Like did that- Oh yeah,
0: that was kind of, so sometimes in the queer community, um, folks would just assume and they would just call me Mark Or I'd have people approach me sexually and be like, I want to fuck Mark or I want to sleep with Mark or partners at the time would say, can we can I have sex with Mark? Like, it was just so and I'd be like, whoa, dude, like, (laughs) but I didn't know. Like, honestly, I didn't have the tools and it felt uncomfortable inside. Yeah, I didn't know how to navigate that right Wait. because I hadn't been living that way authentic. like I was kind of trying to figure it out but also I was like whoa dude
1: <laughs> was it almost like an alter ego in the way that they were approaching yeah you? And it was
0: alter ego and then it was also gender oh okay. you know so like I think it was this idea of like this mixture you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's not anything new because when I was seven was the first time I was misgendered I was in my little league uniform And my parents had taken me out to eat, you know, and I I felt like a badass, dude. I loved ball. I loved baseball. And I felt so happy to be in my uniform. And I went to go pee and I was misgendered by a white, white person who said, this is the, this is the, this is the girl's restroom, young man. And, you know, dude, seven-year-old Tanya or, you know, Tanya was like, yeah, I'm in a pee and I'm a girl. So I just carried on. But also inside, dude, that crushed me. Yeah, Because that started a series of many, many, many iterations of being misgendered over my lifetime, Mm. all based on the way that I presented or because I was, you know, comfortable in my more masculine aspects or energies, like comfortable showing that or more comfortable, like it was just like that whole road of being misgendered. Um, in all kinds of circumstances, like you name it. Like, and that was something that was also really tender to navigate because as a queer person, as a non-binary person, I also knew that about myself too. Like I just knew, like I was just comfortable being a person. That's it, being a human. And I was comfortable and I've always been comfortable accessing all aspects of myself period. Mm -hmm. Right. And I have just felt like, yeah, this is just me. (laughs) Like, so, um, that has, was also very tender, right. Being misgendered along with, um, you know, finding ways to possibly explore, like, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. But then having that other experience too, it was like, Oh, maybe, you know, like, let me, let me protect that again. And let me, Mm -hmm. I'm not ready to really like explore that. I just didn't have the tools.
1: Yeah, I mean, as you're sharing, I, I can count. I actually can't count on one hand how many times I was also misgendered, like, you know, just I think I mean, it was it happened on the regular. And it's not like I even had super short hair, but it's just like when I, my hair was pulled up or something like that, you know, or if they didn't see me super clearly, you know, it would just like the, like the sur would come out. And I'm just like, this is, this is, it, it felt shaming. Do you know what I mean? Like there was mm-hmm. shame in that. And it's interesting as you're talking about this, cause this is not something that I've thought about really hardly ever, you know, since it happened. But I remember in the mor- moment feeling a lot of embarrassment and shame, like, do I look like a boy, you know? And, and why is that a bad thing, but in my world at the time, it was just like the worst thing ever, Mm. you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, when it happens, like I can still see that woman's face to this day. And I'm super fucking grateful for her because it's actually, she is what, where I'm, why I'm here today, right? Right. Like Mm -hmm. all of the people that, you know, I navigated that with are the reason I'm here today because, uh, you know, it's kind of this idea that. Yeah, it felt sad and confusing and embarrassing and shameful. But it's like, what am I? Why do I feel ashamed? And why would it's so confusing? Like, wait, like, I'm just gonna, first of all, I just want to go to the fucking bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, bottom line, like, I need to pee. (laughs) And also, like, why the fuck do you care about what I look like? Like, I'm just going, it's intention, right? I'm just going to go to the bathroom. Right. It happened a lot around restroom use for me. I don't know why that was such a significant part of my story, but it would happen a lot there. Then it started to happen, I think, as I you know, got older and started expressing to the best of my ability, my style you know, or how I wanted to groom myself, then it would happen more like just in general, like the stirs or young man or what, you know, whatever the fuck it was, mm-hmm. or however. So yeah, it, you know, it always came with those feelings. But then I always remember thinking that it was like, my response to them was never reactive. It was just like, Well, at the time, I'm like, well, I'm a girl because Mm -hmm. I didn't have non-binary as a choice. Because fucking trust me, if I did, I wish my mom would have put it on the goddamn birth certificate for real, dude. Because it would have saved, not saved, but it just would have been, there would have been a different story around that, right? So these young queer people that get the opportunity to do that from the get-go or to explore that, like, just know that there was a lot to happen in the background a lot of endurance around you know stuff to happen in order for us to be able to do that today yeah. right to honor that like and there was a lot of really harmful navigation you know to get there so
1: when did you officially come out as queer i'm curious what that experience oh my God, was yeah. for you <laughs> because you came so, out as queer before non-binary right yeah the non-binary was actually fairly that. recent oh my
0: god this is a great yeah <laughs> so queer story uh, coming out was um i was in my early recovery so i was like in my early 20s and i was involved with a person that I identified as a guy in a romantic capacity and my elder sponsor at the time in AA, um, i also had this mad crush on someone that i was working with that I identified as a female and i remember sharing with my elder and i can say her name judith ripon she was a goddamn amazing silver-haired badass person <laughs> and um she's passed now and is around quite often i believe so um i remember telling her like i have a crush on a woman and i and I, she was the first like person that had said like also I'm gay I'm queer Mm -hmm. and she said well you know in recovery we that that's that's cool you know like that whatever that's cool and also like we don't we do handle things with integrity so like if you're having feelings for someone else you know perhaps we need to reconsider your current you know situation and I and I was in such a lustful crush that I didn't. I went on this camping trip and I had this wildly gay queer experience that was like this. We had been building up, you know, all of this flirtation and, you know, and but when I came back and I shared with Judy that, hey, I, you know, basically was not monogamous in a monogamous relationship. Like she was like, well, we need to consider you need to possibly consider ending that connection. So I did Mm. that and i moved to long beach judy had said to me that she so sweet like not trauma informed but she had said i think there's a lot of gay people in long beach bless her heart for saying that she's a you know i know it wasn't very trauma informed but she was like you might want to move to long beach like and i was like oh my god okay i was so like cuz you know i'm like wow that sounds like a great idea and so then i did and the way that I came out as queer to my family, no joke, to my mom, dude, was it was Pride weekend and we were on the phone and my mom said, what are you doing this weekend? And I was like, I'm gay and I'm going to Queer Pride. And she was like, this was my mom's response, dude. She goes, I'm sure they're gonna have a lot of shopping that you'll enjoy (laughs) because it was such a fucking awkward moment for all of us because it was like, (laughs) and um um so my coming out to my family it was a very sweet i think moment for my mom and i but also that kind of was the first time that we started to talk about like hey mom i'm queer and i shared with my family and friends at the time um and so that you know from friends in the past they were like congratulations we've known this forever we're so glad that you know you are able to you know, name that for yourself. You know what I mean? Um, So that was like in my early 20s, like um, Mm. that I came out as queer. But I've known the entire time too that I was queer and I was always around queer people, always found queer people. We find each other, even though we grew up in the 70s and 80s, it was very unspoken, but I always had queer people around me as a kid. And we just, I don't know, maybe we had a look or a code that we'd be (laughs) like, yeah, we're good.
1: Was it super shocking to your mom?
0: To be honest, no. Like after my mom and I have had many conversations around it, I think she also said that she had an idea. It Mm -hmm. was just that she said, we just didn't know how to talk about it. You know what I mean? She's like, we just, she goes where I didn't have any resources as a parent. You know, she's like, I kind of had an idea that perhaps, you know, I thought that you seem to maybe ha- be queer, but you mm-hmm. know, she's like, we didn't have, like, who was I going to go to? Like, you know what right. I mean? We were being raised Catholic. Like there wasn't like P flag and all of that. But my mom did join P flag after I did come out to her. She did go to the parents support group for queer people. Oh, wow. And my mom did get like books and stuff like, and she did do her own like research, research, you know, like, and did her own thing. And I was like, wow, thanks mom. You know, that was really cool.
1: yeah that shows Um, a lot of compassion and love and just like wanting to meet you where you are and understand you and, and inform herself of how to like communicate and connect with you which I, yeah. to me I feel like that's super super loving
0: <laughs> and my sister was like yeah dude I've known the whole time <laughs> my family was very um as you know coming from a Hispanic family I mean as supportive as they could be back then you know what I mean over mm-hmm. time I think it you know it we had more queer people come out in our family it's not we come from a ton of queer people on both my mom and dad's side it's just the way that it was navigated and you know, honored was very different back in those times. And so, um, you know, over time, I think people, you know, if anyone was uncomfortable, like they worked through whatever their stuff was. So mm-hmm. I was lucky that I felt that in that regard, because a lot of queer people don't get the support of their family or sometimes are kicked out of their families based on coming out. So I feel very blessed that way. Yeah. That, you know, I didn't experience any like of that.
1: So up until this point, you're in your early 20s and you have this knowing of yourself that there are two sides of you. And it sounds to me like at this moment in time, Mark is kind of like dormant. He's like kind of gone into hiding a little bit or maybe not even not hiding. He's just like locked away right now. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just made sense. Like, I think it was very much... like I said, because I did try to navigate having, you know, kind of explaining that and I didn't feel that I was equipped Mm -hmm. with the tools I needed. And then, you know, it wasn't until I left like 20 years of education, I decided to leave like 30 plus years of 12 step and do some deep diving into my own personal who am I and how do I want to honor my authentic self. And that's when it just made sense to me. Like I was invited into an earth uh, peyote ceremony from chief Mm. and I was actually initiated as a two spirit person in that ceremony. Wow. Um, And it happened organically. That's what's wild. (laughs) Okay. So this story, so it was supposed to be an intimate ceremony. It ended up being over 70 people. Whoa. I did not know that I was going to have an experience around showing all aspects of myself, right? But through ceremony, I kept being called up to the fire with Chief. It wasn't until after ceremony that a young person said to me, I really enjoyed your costume changes during ceremony. And I was like, can uh, Can you just, you know, he didn't, they didn't say it in any kind of weird way. They just were, they meant, and I was like, Can you can you kind of expand on that? Like I'm not and he was like, yeah, like chief kept calling you up to fire. But each time you had a different like look. Like because I had like I brought up and so then I I told my healer at the time about it and she was like, yeah, we were witnessing you in your two spirit. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, dude. It was wild. Like at first I like I got because I was like, wow. I remember feeling that day, like I, to be honest, like when we were prepping, like we were getting the land ready and everything for ceremony. Um, I felt kind of like, I'm like, why are all these people here? I just remember feeling like, whoa, this is way more people than like, and something inside of me felt like, I don't know, like there was this initiation kind of energy. Like, I I don't know how to describe it. And like, if you would have told me that, that is what would have happened in that ceremony. Like, Oh my gosh, you know? And literally that's what happened was that he just kept calling me up. And there was this idea of me being presented in all my aspects. Wow. Yeah, man. Pretty wild. How did you
1: feel after that ceremony, like coming back into your, like basically integrating into your life?
0: Super vulnerable because I think it was like, Whoa, like, it's different when you carry that. Like I've known that about myself, you know, being an indigenous person and knowing that I'm two spirit because I've had, like I said, elder people say you're two spirit or, you know, do you know you're two spirit? (laughs) Like, um, but to have that in a public way, like be like, literally that's a coming out. Right. Because it's like in front of people, I think it felt very vulnerable, but also a sense of liberation Hmm. because, I think having gone through other people deciding, like, by misgendering me and, you know, all of that, like, it was very nice to actually be witnessed by a group of people like, whoa, we see you, Mm. you know, and we just see you. Like, in ceremony, I felt like that's what that was, was to be, you know, witnessed and seen as my true authentic self. So, in a lot of ways, I feel like that was my seed to finally go follow through with my legal name and gender change. Because at that point, my work, my inner work was, you know, I want to live as my fucking authentic self and Mm. I want to decide how I want to be referred to, right? Like I want to have the liberation of saying I am this person. I am non-binary. I am two spirit. And these are my pronouns. And this is me. Like Mm. I'm just done giving that power to other people to make their own decision. So it was very sacred to me because I filled out the paperwork. I did it on a, with according to the lunar cycles and I went to see my attorney and then on a new moon, I received my uh, license and it's supposed to wow wow. all the lunar cycles that happened in that time period. um, I received little, like, here's your paperwork for the DMV. Here's this, here's that. So it was such a fucking beautiful ride because every new moon and full moon, from that point forward there were just little breadcrumbs of that process and then Mm -hmm. I received um my headshot that I keep is the day that I received my license in the mail and I actually took a selfie and because I was like holy fuck I I'm like a brand like this is it dude like I am no longer like that I am Tanya Marco now Mm non-binary and Mm -hmm. I remember feeling so like fucking free dude (laughs) It was so tender, but also so goddamn free because I was like, whoa, dude, like, this is what it feels like to like, I know it's just a fucking license, but it was more than that because it was the whole path to get there. Right. And it was this idea of like, for the first time ever, like, this is me, dude. Like, that's it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. As I'm like, kind of just taking in your story. I mean, this is like so powerful because what I'm. Witnessing and realizing is that you were in this death portal for a while. Like a while, you know, and it's almost like I kind of can't pinpoint when you stepped in, because it almost feels like. From childhood, from the first Mm -hmm. time Mark showed up until that moment After this, after like when you're holding your driver's license, it's like you have finally come back into the the world, you know, and now are being presented to the world as this fusion, this full, whole person that of both sides, both spirits together for the first time. It's just it's wild to me. Is that how you feel like?
0: yeah you know it's so interesting to me because like I went through this grief period as like I started to honor the legal process I also think I started to grieve at the same time because I realized like there's a lot to that like you got to contact a lot of people to let you know like there's all this fucking paperwork dude and so I remember I shared with an elder I was having a very tender, watery moment. And I was like, there's so much goddamn paperwork. Like, (laughs) and like I was feeling, but then the recommendation was like, just take it a little bit at a time. You don't have to call everybody at once. So what that did was I was able to break it up into small pieces. Hmm. And then because it also involved fucking tender conversations, because not everybody that you're going to have a phone conversation with is fucking woke yeah so you have to be prepared to energetically also have that fucking conversation and so that is also the part of that too and some of them were very tender and some of them those conversations didn't go well like Mm. people i was outwardly you know like mistreated from people where they said like well i'm not calling you that or you know so that whole process like in itself, I'm grateful that I took it little step by step, you know, made a few calls at a time and did a few things digitally. So in that process, it was also grieving Mm -hmm. because I was letting go of, you know, um, who Tanya used to be, right. Mm -hmm. It was this person that I, I did what I had to do to endure and survive based Mm -hmm. on where I was at the time. Right. So based on the tools I had, I always navigated that. Mm -hmm. I was very lucky to land in recovery. I feel like recovery was a really good blanket for me to land into as a young person, because I know that there are other very much more tender stories around queerness and, you know, identity and stuff that are a lot more shadow. I feel like I was really blessed because at least in recovery, there was still stuff, shit that happened. But at least I had a toolkit. Mm -hmm. i had elders in my life community in my life that i could at least go to to a capacity right but i grieved it dude yeah i grieved and then you know um i like had a whole grieving i did a whole ritual a few rituals actually like to like saying goodbye to tanya it's wild you know my mom didn't give my sister or i middle names so it actually really divinely aligned because i could just take mark you know i was yeah. That- and in high school, I tried to use Mark as my confirmation name and they they denied me. I did all the report and everything and they denied me, too, because they said, no, that's not a female gender. And I'm like, well, you didn't tell us we had to pick. You just said pick a name, you know, and a saint that resonated. And oh, because I was wow. in Catholic high school, they're like, no. So my bestie said she knew. Like, she just saw my disappointment and she goes, dude, you could use Michelle, which is her name, Mm -hmm. and we'll always know that it's Mark. She fucking saved my ass that way,
1: dude. It's so so Mm -hmm. interesting because even hearing this part of your story, it's like there were moments when... Mark really wanted to emerge, you know, even even like before you officially came out as queer, mm-hmm. even before, you know, which I know is a completely separate thing. But this side of you that, you know, yeah, he's just like, like, wow, I, I, I find it really interesting that um, there were attempts, there were attempts for him to like, be visible.
0: Yeah, and you know it's wild too. I was at a um with amongst spiritual folks and um really t- um someone asked if they could we were reading for each other, dropping into our magic and that was the first time that I ever had a reading where Tanya and Mark both showed up. Oh wow. And it was super tender. We were crying like because this person was like, I hope it's okay to mention, but Tanya and Mark are both here. So bringing it back to your moon circle, that iteration of Mark that I saw, I feel was very directly related to having had that reading. You know what I mean? That that Mm. energy was just present.
1: Mm. It was the
0: most profound thing. Yeah, you had taken us through and I got to see Mark. You had this you always have this magical way of taking us through like inner child work. So I got to see all the iterations over time because you had taken us through. And like, I just wow. got to see that. And I was like, whoa, dude, wow. so special. It's
1: so interesting, too, to me, like that it's Mark isn't just this like um, f- fixed person or person like character or you know I don't even like the word alter ego for him it's he's a part of you but it's not like he he aged with you he aged like he grew up alongside Tanya and was mm-hmm. very much a part even though he may have been in you know like the proverbial closet so to speak yeah. like, you know um I have but- journals
0: L where I wrote to both of us from when I was young I still have the journals My journal entry was double. I wrote to Tanya and I wrote to Mark
1: like letters like 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 in
0: journaling. Yeah, for journaling, like I used to write like I would just there was a phase that I went to where I just would do that. I would write Dear Tanya and I would write in my journal. I still have the journals.
1: Wow. This may be a silly question, but I'm curious if two spirit is synonymous with non-binary.
0: For me, yes. I won't say that for all people. I just mm-hmm. think, for me, it is. That's okay. how I, that's how I, you know, vibe and meld with it. It just makes sense to me. Um, I'm not, yeah, I wouldn't say that for all other folks, because I think that, you know, everyone comes from a different story and narrative around it. But for mm-hmm. me, yes, they are very much, like, together to me.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's what creates the non-binary. Because For me, yeah yeah because
0: then i feel like it honors all aspects of myself without Mm -hmm. having to lean in one direction or the other and that's my use of you know non-binary and two-spirit
1: yeah i have like i'm just sitting with everything that you're sharing because there's so much newness in what your story brings to me To me, I think I came at non-binary and this may be true for some people where it's almost kind of like a rejection of gender in totality, the rejection of the premise of gender, you know, um, as identity. And so they're not neither. There's no female or male. It's just, you know, them Um, because I think there's people who also reject pronouns. And they would prefer to just be called by their first name, um, which is completely genderless, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I think my perception of it was always kind of like from a almost neutral standpoint. But what you're describing in it's so beautiful. It's these two parts of yourself that are one being, you know, Um I almost see them as, like, Siamese twins in a weird way, but, like, they're yeah, no, they that's are a beautiful, fused.
0: It's beautifully, like, well, I think that's a beautiful way of reflecting it. You know, it's also non-binary for me is very healing. Mm. Considering where I came from, being able to check my own box, like, mm-hmm. I get to make that decision. Not mm-hmm. someone else doesn't get to make that decision. And that's what feels the most authentic to me. So that's also non-binary for me, is that... Everyone else got to decide by misgendering and, you know, based on what they assumed, right? They made gender assumption. Like, that's the importance of pronouns, by the way, is so that we don't gender assume people. Right. That's really why we use them. It has nothing to do with sexual orientation, which is who we choose to sleep with. It has to do with gender identity and who we are and how we want to be seen in the world. Right. And so when we say we don't want to gender assume people like also for me, non-binary is the they them feels very liberating because I had people, she, he, me my whole life that. And so to me, there's nothing wrong with that because I get that that's someone else's journey. It's Mm -hmm. just that's what happened because we didn't have it. When they them became available i felt so relieved because i was like yes this feels good to me it honors non-binary it honors two-spirit it honors it honors all of those things for me in a very resonated way and Mm. that's just my narrative with those i also recognize that it could mean something completely different to someone else right based on their gender journey or narrative around all of those things. And I think that's what's important to also recognize is yeah. ask the story, yeah. ask. It's like, so it's important beautiful to really ask because you like once you know the story, it really changes. I think what happens is that it attaches meaning versus fucking fear and ignorance and discomfort. It actually has it gives an invitation for some meaning. Yeah. You know, of like where does this come from and why are, you know, why is it important to you? For me, it's living my authentic life. Period. Right. And at age 50? Look, man, fuck yeah. I did it for the other way for so goddamn long. Like I want an opportunity to to share my magic and medicine as my authentic self, not having to compartmentalize anything at all ever.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say what you're getting at is also seeing the individual without labels, seeing the individual for their story, because we all come from a, even if the similar things have happened, it's still wildly different who you are compared to somebody else. And so no two queer people are the same. No two non-binary people are the same. They do not share the same story. And I think the story, becomes essential because you're really, truly getting at the heart of who they are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important as an elder queer person. And I wear that very proudly that I do think our stories are important because I wasn't didn't come from a place that where we had these tools. So as an elder queer person, it's it's also not too fucking late for me to honor it now. Yeah. Right. And to go living this next however long on this plane, you know, as my authentic self, including name, you know, like and to just do that because I understand the healing frequencies that it sends back. That sends healing back to those that couldn't. And it models for generations to come, you know, and I think those stories are really important because we have so much legislation that is you know out there right now that is you know really disruptive Mm. that I think our stories are important Mm. you know because when you can attach meaning to someone's story perhaps that that can fucking switch the lens up a little bit and maybe we can come from a place of compassion and understanding
1: yeah well I just so appreciate you and just the bravery that you've exhibited and kind of approaching each one of these stages of your life, each one of these phases that have um, each one of these steps in the portal, you know, I mean, in that in that shedding, and just have come to this beautiful union of your true two spirit nature. And I feel like, yeah, it's like, when I look upon your life, and, you know, imagine you at the very end of your life not having had that experience and just still being tanya and only tanya with mark still very much in that hidden closet it just it would feel almost kind of like an incomplete death in a a sense you know what i mean
0: Mm. yeah that feels really heavy in that way you know what i mean because it would Mm -hmm. i feel like it would definitely um yeah so at least this way, I know that like <laughs> when it's time to leave in this place, like I've done so and I've done it in such an authentic way, you know, just living as my authentic self and sharing that, yeah. you know, Yeah. so.
1: yeah. Well, I have been wanting to end every conversation with five questions that I ask each person um, that is meant to be kind of fun and, you know, <laughs> sort of s- s- like just f- they're interesting questions to me because it's like fun to kind of think about. But um, yeah, are you down? Let's do it. (laughs)
0: I'm down. Let's go.
1: All right. Your final meal? What would that be? Pizza? What kind?
0: Mm, Just pizza. Like, uh, it's my favorite food. (laughs) I would just appreciate it so much. Like it really is my most favorite food ever. So yeah, I'd just be down to have pizza. I'd be grateful for pizza. <laughs> I love it. Uh, oh, and Topo Chico. Duh, Topo Chico. Pizza and Topo.
1: <laughs> what song or sound do you want to hear as you take your last breath?
0: Well, currently, and what I game to for this was Phenomenal by Janelle Monáe, mm. because I think that it just has this vibe of, you know, um, yeah. So I'll go with that right now. Phenomenal.
1: Phenomenal, beautiful. I love the name of it also for you as your send off song. <laughs> um, what is one sensory experience that you will miss so much on this earth?
0: Oh my gosh. That's a great fucking question. I, well, I'm going to be Dominion in this way and say <laughs> all of them. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: What flows to the very top of that list?
0: Oh, shit. You're going to bring it. Um, (laughs) Laughter would be like hearing laughter, sharing laughter to me. So that would be what like hearing and speech. So Mm. hearing, I guess, would be like hearing laughter, hearing joy, hearing.
1: Mm. I love that. Yeah, that feels really special. What is something that you want to leave as your legacy for the next generation? (laughs) It could could be an object, an idea, anything you want.
0: I would love to leave all of my magic as a legacy, like Mm -hmm. all of my practices, journals, things over time, because I feel like those are archives that are so important, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, my practices and my story. Mm
1: -hmm. Beautiful. Final question. If you could start this life all over again what's one thing you would do different?
0: Absolutely fucking nothing. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping it real, yo. (laughs) Uh,
1: Love you so much. Thank you so much for just sharing so openly. And again, it's, (laughs) it's like a total joy and honor to witness you and to truly see both of your spirits like together and to be able to experience you like that, too. It's really incredible.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you
1: so much for listening and joining in our conversation. Mom is produced by Trip with Ellen with so much joy and so much gratitude for bringing these intimate stories to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on your preferred podcast app and take the time to leave us a review. This ensures that we can continue to sustain our production through your support, which opens up new monetization streams for us. Follow us on Instagram at momthepod. See you at the next episode. Until then, remember, every death offers a portal to life. If you're in the middle of a life transition, a death portal, I'm talking to you right now. If you're feeling lost, stuck, unsure of what to do or where to go, this message is for you. Congratulations. You, my friend, have been initiated. I created my Death Rebirth Mentorship Program to companion you through this death portal, shedding relationships, careers, patterns of behavior, aspects of your personality that no longer serve, For 13 weeks, I walk right next to you as you learn to be with the sensations of your body, facing your fears, your wounds, your anger, shame, and grief. You learn how to befriend your inner critic and help them soften. You begin to recognize the many ways you have normalized systemic oppression in your body, grinding and hustling and burning out your life force energy. You discover the root of your scarcity, your fear of abandonment, rejection, failure. You resolve the charge from ancestral and developmental trauma so that you can be liberated to create the life that you've been longing for. You start to see the signs, the nudges from the universe, the unseen, nature. You suddenly realize you're never walking alone. You begin celebrating your body Learning to listen to the wisdom your body shares through sensations and emotions. You become your inner child's best friend and begin to accept all versions of you that you've previously shamed or rejected or disowned. You heal. You become whole again. You strengthen your belief in your gifts, your power, your direction you begin to realign to the values of your infinite, essential being. You get clear. You know who you truly are. By bravely walking through this death portal, you develop a trust and a belief that allows you to fully surrender into your most easeful, powerful expression of you. Go to tripwithellen.com and sign up for a free discovery call. Listeners get a $250 discount if you mention mom during our call. Thank you for the honor of witnessing, companioning, and guiding you through this death and rebirth.